We're live, bro. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Uh, this is a terrible Tuesday podcast coming at you. First off, Brian and I would like to apologize. We are fathers, we are husbands, we have real jobs that pay the bills, and unfortunately, sometimes those have to take priority. We do the best we can, uh, and we love bringing this 49er content to you. So this terrible Tuesday podcast will most likely be hitting your earballs on a woeful Wednesday, a womp womp Wednesday, nice. just a wickedly horrible, <laughs> unfortunate <laughs> Wednesday that we have. We are contributors at 49er Web Zone. I'm Tim Sprinkles. You're listening to the Denim Dungeon Podcast, and coming at you is Brian Rennick. How are you, Brian? Well, it is a terrible Tuesday, and it's just a terrible 49ers team at this point. I mean, I don't know how else to uh, how else to sugarcoat it. It, uh, it was a game that the off or I'm sorry, the defense did not allow a hundred yards on the ground or a hundred yards through the air. And the 49ers lost the game because Nick Mullins was under center. So not only did they lose, they lost by eight. Yeah. They, <laughs> yeah. They, uh, their, their offense gave up more points than their offense scored. Their defense <laughs> only gave up six points. Truthfully, six points. Yes, they gave up three field goals, but the 49ers turned the ball over in scoring position for the Washington football team, and they were able to convert three field goals. So, I mean, let me ask you this, Brian, right off the jump, what what was it to you? Was the game poorly played or was the game poorly coached? That's a good question. Um, I, I tend to, I tend to think that, you know, ultimately coaches have uh, more impact on a football game than in any other professional sport, in my opinion. And the coaches come up with a game plan. The coaches pick the players that play. But ultimately, no matter what, the players are the one that have to execute that game plan. And Nick Mullins wasn't able to execute the game plan that that Shanahan had. And so I think we're at the point where, you know, you're playing you're playing players who would normally never see the field if everybody was healthy for the San Francisco 49ers, including Nick Mullins. And that's going to eventually catch up to you. And so I'm going to I'm going to put this on the players, but I'm going to put it most specifically on Big Pick Nick who once again threw an oh. interception in a football game. This one was returned for a touchdown, but he has thrown at least one interception in in every game. Oh, my bad. <laughs> he's thrown an interception in every game that he's played so far this season. And it's really been the Achilles heel. And I know that we've got on Jimmy in the past for the interceptions that he throws, but he's not averaging an interception a game and Nick Mullins is. And so I, I don't think they're, I don't think they had a bad game plan. I think Robert Sala had a, a, an incredible game plan. You know, one of the things that you saw, especially when Alex Smith was in the game was that he was rushing three guys because he knows Alex Smith isn't going to run the football. And so when you're like I said, when your defense doesn't give up 200 yards of total offense, you should easily win that game. And the 49ers lost by eight. Yeah, there's there's no doubt that the 49ers are were the better team if healthy uh, on this day. I mean, I, I love like we got to we got to trademark big picnic because it that the Nick experience is over. Like it needs to be done. Unfortunately, you know, all of the, I don't want to say the hype train that was with Nick Mullins earlier in the year, but the potential that Nick Mullins had definitely has fallen off a cliff. And I don't know if he just wasn't ready or if this is sort of that, that year two uh, for players where uh, defensive coordinators get film on a player, particularly quarterbacks. And the quarterback has to adjust. The quarterback has to raise their game to the next level because defenses understand their tendencies. And at this point, I mean, just going back and watching the All-22 and seeing the film, Kyle Shanahan did not call a poor game. Uh, Nick Mullins either, one, did not 
go through his progressions properly, or two, he made the right read, but his arm just wasn't uh, strong enough to make it. There was, I mean, a number of of things that just made your heart sink if you're a 49er fan. I know that Debo, um, the first play Getting of the game. Getting hurt on the first play. Good I mean, God. Debo with a, with, I mean, it was a good play call. Debo with a burst through the line um, for a gain, I think, of nine and comes up, you know, lame. And he has a pulled hamstring and he's out for a while, according to Kyle Shanahan, which, you know, I think most likely means he's done for the season. For sure. I don't see any reason, especially if the 49ers are out of playoff contention to bring Debo back at this point. You know, and it's interesting, Matt Barrows of The Athletic put out a mailbag today. And one of the questions that that he answered was about Debo Samuel and about another hamstring pull. And what I found interesting is he actually had a history of hamstring problems at South Carolina. Go figure. And he also had an ankle injury. Well, actually, I'm sorry. His hamstring issues go back into into high school. Um, and he also had an ankle injury that kept him out for uh, almost an entire season at South Carolina. But one of the things that Barrows brought up is that Debo is Debo is thick with two C's, right? Like he's he's got, um, you know, he's. He's not uh, he's not your typical wide receiver body. And the reality is, is that with the kind of mass that he carries and it's not I'm, I'm not here to say that Debo is overweight. He's not. But he's just a thick dude. He's got you know, he's got more of a running back build. And when you put the kind of stress on your body that, you know, that that he does when he cuts and things of that nature, you know, it's not surprising that he has foot issues. You know, it's not surprising that he broke a bone in his foot. It's not surprising that he had ankle injuries at South Carolina. And so, you know, these soft tissue tissue injuries and 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 Kyle actually addressed that, I believe it was either today or yesterday, when he said that he spoke with Debo and he basically said to Debo, and and you know, obviously he's not gonna say everything that he said in his press conference, but he basically told Debo like maybe this is the turning point where you figure out how to make sure that you are always game ready and your hamstring issues are a thing of the past. So, you know, he also said something about Mike McGlinchey and his weight. And so I think, I think this off season is going to be, you know, some come to Jesus moments for some of these guys that either a are performing poorly or B keep getting hurt. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that that the 49ers have some really tough decisions in the offseason, but I don't think we're we're not at that point in the podcast to talk about the offseason and the draft and all that. We, you know, I'm not ready to 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 call like let's tank, let's finish this year out with with three consecutive losses. I can't do that. There's never like the the competitor inside of me and I know that players feel the same way is that they're never just going to give up. And I think the 49ers still have a chance to finish eight and eight. And the reason I say that is one player in particular is starting to shine and the the glimmer of hope about returning potentially your starting quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, and your best player, your best overall player, George Kittle, uh, seems to be right over the horizon. Uh, and you just have to get through this this lowly Dallas program. Um, to get there. And, you know, speaking of that receiver, that was phenomenal. It, Brandon Ayuk had 10 receptions for 119 yards. Um, he's just really coming into his own. He's showing that he is a number one receiver in this league. He's had 36 catches this year for 495 yards on the season. And if he stays healthy and continues on this pace, I think he's going to break Jerry Rice's rookie record. He's only 267 receiving yards away from our Hall of Famer's rookie record for receiving yards. That's less than 100 yards yeah. a game in his final three. I think well, he's going to make it. I was saying, and with Debo out, he's obviously, well, and Kittle out, he's obviously the focal point of the offense. So, 
you know, I, I, I feel like in this league, you know, you're going up against Dallas, then you're going up against Arizona, and then you're going up against Seattle. None of those teams have uh, stellar defenses, the best one being that Arizona defense. And so I don't, he's not coming up against any competition that's going to, you know, effectively shut him down. So, you know, if he's, if he's the focal point of the offense, I think you're right. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of that same thing that Kittle had at the end of, was it 18? when they needed to get him the the uh tight end receiving record which unfortunately i think travis kelsey is going to break this year um mm-hmm. but uh, you, uh most yards receiving for a tight end in a season kittle got that in 2018 i think i think uh kyle is going to make Ayuk the focal point of the offense the next three games and and probably moving forward because like you said he is a superstar in the making in fact he is the second highest graded uh, rookie wide receiver by PFF behind Justin Jefferson, who's having a monster season. So Brandon Ayuk wow. is a baller and his 10 receptions for 119 yards earns Brandon Ayuk, RL Hefe boss player of the week. Ooh, damn right. And I'm, I, I think ultimately Brandon Ayuk is not only not only is he the highlight of of the draft for the 49ers but he is just he is one side of the coin to a fantastic first round of a draft for the San Francisco 49ers i know kinlaw has you know there's a lot of people who are slamming slamming him in terms of where he was taken is he the guy that's going to replace DeForest Buckner but we saw in that game that he has the capability of being a monster Dude, he on the inside for sure he flashes he, for sure. And he's only going to get better. 100%. So well done to the 49ers front office in terms of who they picked in the first round this year. They did not miss. Yeah. It was a home run first round for sure. I, you know, where do you, where do you fault them? I mean, where do you fault I, them with Ayuk and Kinlaw? It's been, you know, it's, it's been a great draft for them. So hopefully that continues because the first round hasn't always been a home run for them looking at you mike mcglinchy but oh, eat a sandwich <laughs> eat a sandwich eat a sandwich oh, Gosh, my goodness. it's killing me but. so kind of kind of on that draft sense understanding that a lot of 49er fans are calling for a new quarterback uh to come in in 2021 mm-hmm. whether the 49ers trade for a quarterback or they draft a quarterback mm-hmm. um in, in regards to that position, we just need to touch a little bit on Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins was crushing, obviously... To, I would say crushing debt, Nick, because yeah. I tried to think of... <laughs> there are quite a few analysts on Twitter that cover the 49ers that love to call him Money Mullins. And so I thought, what's the opposite of money? And it's just crushing, absolute crushing, soul-sucking debt. And that's what Nick Mullins has provided for us. Student debt, Nick Mullins. <laughs> there it is. Um, Student loan debt, Nick Mullins. <laughs> God. Um, he he was absolutely terrible. He accounted for two turnovers. Obviously, he had that ridiculously bad pick six, but he also had a fumble, which resulted in uh, a field goal for the Washington football team. Jeff Wilson Jr. also fumbled for the 49ers, and that was returned for a touchdown. You can't ask the defense to do much more than they did. The 49ers offense was pitiful, not in regards to play calling. In my mind, uh, watching the film, there were there were open receivers all over the place. And, you know, when you don't fall behind, when you don't turn the ball over, you can lean on your run game. And I think Mostert is the 49ers run game. There is nobody else. Um, that runs the ball quite like him in the NFL, let alone on the 49ers. But, you know, he averaged, what, what did he average? He averaged about 4.6 yards yeah, a carry. 4. He 6. had, yeah, he had 65 yards on the game. He didn't get enough touches in my opinion. But once you see that, it just drops off a cliff. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, pretty much was the only other running back to um, to carry the football for the 49ers. He had 31 yards and averaged about 2.8 yards per attempt. You had you you had juice for three yards on one attempt, and you had Debo for nine yards on one attempt. But that accounts for all of the 49ers' ground game. They had 27 attempts in total for 108 yards, one fumble, and four yards per attempt. That is not the the ground game that Kyle Shanahan wants to have. 
And I think it all starts with, do you come out ahead or do you fall behind? And when you start turning the ball over, unfortunately, you kind of have to detour away from the, the game plan that you initially wanted. And and this, in my opinion, was the problem for the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I mean, when you get into unfavorable game scripts, you, you can't really run the ball. And as it stands right now, without a you know an effective quarterback, the 49ers' most effective offense is going to be a good running game. But like you said, when you're turning the ball over or you're getting behind, you can't really run the ball. You also got to understand, I mean, the Redskins front seven, but specifically their defensive line, is you know a top five unit in the league. And they really impose their will on the 49ers offensive line outside of Trent Williams, who had a, a pretty tremendous game. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But you know, it it really just comes down to if if a defense doesn't respect your quarterback and doesn't think that your quarterback is going to effectively pass down the field, then you can crowd the line of scrimmage. You can crowd the middle of the field, which is where Mullins likes to throw. And then you just effectively take away the passing game from the 49ers. And, and once you do that, then, you know, you can, you can run blitz, you can, you can key on the run game. And so I don't think it's that Mostert is ineffective. I don't think it's that Wilson is ineffective. We know that they're effective. We've seen them be incredibly effective, but every team is coming in now gearing up to stop that run because nobody's afraid of student loan debt, Nick Mullins. (laughs) I, you know, I do think it's time for a change uh, at the quarterback position. I don't know if, if you go with CJ uh, beat hard or <laughs> if you go with uh, good old Josh, JJ Johnson, um, I, you know, I, I see zero reason to go with CJ at this point. I don't see any reason why you don't experiment and with, you know, a quarterback that potentially could be a little bit more mobile uh, than either of the two guys in front. This could be sort of an experiment for Kyle Shanahan. Let's let's open up his playbook and see what he can do with a quarterback that can move a little bit. Um, I think Josh Johnson is more accurate in regards to shorter throws than either Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard. So at this point, if he understands the game, if he grasps Kyle Shanahan's playbooks and the concepts, there's no reason why you just don't experiment at this point and have a good idea moving into the draft which direction you want to go. Do you want to go with, you know, an athletic quarterback? Do you want to make a trade for, you know, an established player uh, currently who's in the NFL? Um, you know, this this could be some time to to definitely dabble in, in some things that we haven't seen before because let's be frank. Yes, I want the 49ers to win. I want them to, you know, I want everyone to do great, but there's not much to lose at this point in terms of, what's out there like let's let's just let's throw the kitchen sink at the cowboys and the cardinals and seahawks and see what sticks let's do it yeah i mean at this point i i mean i haven't even really heard josh johnson's name since we heard that he was signed to the practice squad so unfortunately i don't necessarily think that's even an option so really it is it is gonna be you know cj or nick and at this point like you said I mean, you don't have anything to lose. Johnson's still on the practice squad. So, you know, he is there, but, you know, CJ's not the answer. But at the very least, why not give him a start against a team like Dallas and just see what you have there? Because Nick isn't giving you anything. He's not giving you, you know, Kyle says that that Nick gives you the best opportunity to win. But he's not doing that right now. And, and you know, I'm not... I. I albeit for me to question Kyle Shanahan, he has forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. So I'm, uh, you know, if Kyle says that Nick gives them the best chance, then so be it. But you know, this is CJ Beathard is the guy that you pounded the table for in the draft and you've kept him on the roster this whole time. I mean, why not just give him a shot again? Things are, I mean, can they make the playoffs? There is a slim, like, you know, one in a million shot, you know, so you're telling me there's a chance dumb and dumber style situation where they could, shady. you know, where they could. But 
really what they have what they would need is for the cardinals to lose out they need for you know the vikings to lose out you know they need the bears to like they need so well, the, much help. the Vikings and the Bears play next week, so it's one, it's of, one them of those will, situations. Yeah, one of them, will right? Lose, but yeah, you need one. You need you need multiple teams, if not all of them. To you need a couple teams to go zero and three. You need a couple of teams to go one and two. It just doesn't seem like that's in the cards for the Forty ers Yeah, but one of the things that you know, going back and reviewing some some old draft notes. I don't know if you you knew this, but Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch compared. C.J. Beathard to um, guess which quarterback? Kirk Cousins. Yes. Yeah. And that, that to me has always baffled me in regards to, like, I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is an elite tier quarterback. He's good. And I know that for some reason Kyle Shanahan has a man crush on Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he does. But I never saw the comparison between C.J. Beathard and Kirk Cousins. Maybe that's... In in Kyle Shanahan's mind, that's why he had such a crush on C.J. Beathard. I don't I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is that he saw. I think it's it's toughness. It's but that's about it. Like C.J. can get hit in the mouth and and get back up, and so can Nick. And you know, Jimmy used to be able to, but I think Jimmy still Jimmy still in his head about his knee injury in in 2018. It it really feels like to me. So you know, I he gets he gets real jumpy when when there's uh, a congested pocket, when, you know, he thinks that people are down around his feet or his knee. And I get it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not criticizing him for that, but you know, I do think that both those guys will stand in the pocket a little bit longer than Jimmy will, but I don't know. I don't know why he compared him to Kirk cousins. You know, they both came from the big 10. Bethard was at Iowa. Kirk cousins was at Michigan state, you know, other than that, you know, none, neither one of them were terribly incredible in, in college cousins had a better resume than, than Beathard did, but I don't know. But like I said, might as well give him a shot because Nick, you know, over the past six weeks or whatever has really kind of just shown that he is a backup quarterback. He's not. And, and the more games he has to start, the more you see why he's a backup quarterback. So why not give CJ a shot and see, you know, and see if he can spark the team or I don't know, do something, but, I'm tired of seeing Nick Mullins play quarterback for the 49ers. I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah, I'm over it. So, <laughs> I mean, like literally we could just pound it into the ground, but needless to say, I don't think that's, you know, our listeners don't want to hear that. So let's talk about a couple of good things. Uh, I do know that we, you know, they are expecting Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle. Uh, to come back at some point this season. I don't know if it's in George Kittle's best interest to come back this year, but um, it, you know, Kyle Shanahan did say he expects to see Kittle practicing a little bit this week. He is an absolute beast to be able to do that. Uh, we don't expect to see Jimmy Garoppolo back this week. They're hoping for next week. Um, you know, and Kyle Shanahan was quoted as saying, you know, they've both been out since week eight. We've had a number of high ankle sprains on our team this year, but Jimmy's was definitely the worst. Shanahan said, that's why we thought he was going to need surgery for a little bit, but he didn't. That's why he needs longer rest than most people. But Jimmy won't be back for practice this week. Um, he is hoping to get Kittle back into practice. So what are your thoughts, man, about Jimmy and George moving forward? You know, I think ultimately I don't, I don't see so here's the thing, you know, I, I know you say you're anti-tank and I'm not saying that the 49ers should tank, but I also don't think that in these next three games, I don't, I, I don't see any of these as easily winnable games, right? Like is Dallas good? No, but the 49ers aren't playing very well right now either. So I, I honestly could see the 49ers losing these last three games, not on purpose, but just because you know, they have very little to play for at this point and they're stuck in Arizona away from their families. Like I think a playoff push would have galvanized this team and would have really helped them overcome mentally the toll of, you know, being isolated in Glendale, Arizona, away from their family during the holidays. All of that stuff is emotionally and mentally draining but if they're in the, you know, in the, in the midst or in the mix for a playoff spot, it's easy to, you know, kind of keep your eye on the prize. But this loss 
really kind of, I feel like, is a demoralizing loss in as much as the playoffs really are out of reach now. And so as a player outside of pride, you know, what do you have to play for? Now, pride is a, a you know, a very motivating factor, but, you know, is it is it more motivating than, you know, to, to overcome, like I said, the the mental and emotional toll of, of, of being isolated in Glendale? So with that said, I don't think George Kittle should come back because I don't I don't think that it's worth risking another injury. And and not that I think that George Kittle is injury prone, but you have I mean, to it's save 2020. him from himself. It's 2020. <laughs> like yeah, and- this guy broke a a bone a bone that I didn't even know existed in his foot. So, you know, a cuboid bone. What? That just sounds fake. But, you know, it's not. Why I it, well, I'm I know it's years not years of the years of kinesiology classes in college are coming back to me and it's it's real but but i don't yeah. i don't see the i don't see the value in in bringing george back now with jimmy i think if if i'm jimmy i want to come back because if i'm you know if if i'm hearing everything that i'm hearing i don't know that my spot on this team is guaranteed next year and i want to put at least a little bit of good tape out there in case I have to find another team in the off season. So I think Kittle is motivated by his just fanatical love of football. I think Jimmy could be motivated to come back just to prove himself a little bit, even in like a game or two, because, you know, he may be auditioning for a new team for next year. Yeah, that's true. So uh, to kind of talk about some of the players, we had mentioned Brandon Ayuk earlier in the podcast. He was our El Jefe player of the game, but we do have some players that struck gold and struck out. There weren't very many players that struck gold uh, for the 49ers against the Washington football team, but we're going to start off with our 24-karat gold players. And I like this one because it's a former Washington football player, Trent Williams. Uh, If you saw on Twitter or on film, he had another devastating block where he absolutely murdered uh, a Washington football player. It was, he came around the end and the the Washington football player, the linebacker did not see Trent Williams coming. And it was like getting run over by a steamroller. It was fantastic to watch. He was the highest graded uh, player on offense for the 49ers on PFF with a 77.6. Trent Williams continues to be one of the top tackles in the NFL, and in my opinion, the best left tackle in the NFL. He is a priority for the Niners to sign this offseason. Yeah, I mean, they they have to figure out how to sign him because Trent Williams went out for one play in this game. Justin School came in and promptly gave up a sack. So Justin School is not the answer at left tackle. And I don't – I mean – Again, we'll talk about the off season as it gets closer, but you know, I it 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 looks like they might be looking quarterback in the first round. You never know, but I don't know that they have the draft capital. To, excuse me, the draft capital to draft a replacement for Trent Williams. So he's got to be their priority in the off season, and he wants to come back. He already said he wants to come back. So you know, I think they're going to figure out a way to make that happen. But yeah, he, the other thing that I loved in this game was it was fun to see him get out and block on the edges in the run game. You, you see this man and how massive he is and you forget how incredibly athletic he is for his size. It's like seeing Joe Staley, but bigger. And it's, it's just fun to watch. And then, you know, obviously he holds his own in pass protection as well, which is uh, not quite what, I could say about Mike McGlinchey, but again, I digress. Trent Williams had another tremendous game. I mean, if they don't sign him in the off season, it's going to, it's going to be ugly next year uh, on that offensive line. All right, let's move on to our next and final 24 karat gold player. And that was Jason Verrett, who continues to be the 49ers best corner, even when Richard Sherman is on the field, which is saying quite a bit. And in this game, he was targeted five times. He gave up two receptions for 21 yards and then had that big interception and a PFF grade of 75.3. Verrett just continues to 
Well, I was going to say cement his status as comeback player of the year, but we all know that the quarterback that they face in this game is going to win that award. And not only is he going to win that award, I think it should be renamed after him. Uh, Alex Smith, 100% is the comeback player of the year. But Jason Verrett has been an absolute revelation in that secondary. And it is fun to watch because, you know, you root for guys who go through that kind of, you know, difficulties in their career where they they start out hot and then all of a sudden, you know, either their play drops or, in Verrett's case, he gets injured year after year after year. You know, I think if it were me, it would have been a sign that it was time to hang it up. But Verrett kept, you know, fighting and the 49ers believed in him and now they are being rewarded. And we will see what happens in the offseason. But Jason Verrett, another solid game and our other 24 karat gold player. Yeah, he just continues to not disappoint when he is out on that field. Uh, he's definitely the best player in the secondary, and that has not taken anything away from Richard Sherman. Uh, I love Richard Sherman. Um, I mean, it, it did hurt a little bit to hear him talking about how uh, he does not see himself with the 49ers next year. They are. Uh, it would take a miracle, in Sherman's words, for them to reach a deal. He still sees himself as an elite corner but as we can see on the field, uh, Richard Sherman's play is starting to to take a uh, take a little bit of a dip, and I don't think that's um, it's definitely not for a lack of trying and preparation on his part. I think the body just isn't what it was for Richard Sherman. He's just not as fast. He doesn't have the same quickness that that he once did, and we're starting to see. Um, kind of the elite level of Jason Verrett, the player that the Chargers drafted. Um, And, you know, his career was, it had so much potential. This is the type of player that Jason Verrett can be. He is a Pro Bowl caliber player. Uh, There's no doubt about that. And I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, You talked about comeback player of the year. Uh, I think it's very, very interesting that both of the 49ers 24 karat players uh, in this section for us could be up for player of the year. Yes, I, I know that Alex Smith's story is by far and away the best story to come out of the NFL in a very, very long time. But if you're looking at production on the field, uh, I think Trent Williams, Jason Verrett, Ben Roethlisberger and Alex Smith are the four finalists for the comeback player of the year. I am just, I'm so pumped. And I think that those two guys, not only uh, are they comeback players of the year in my book, but they need to be number one and number two in uh, the 49ers off season priority list of who to re-sign in that order. Agreed. All right, let's move on to 14 karat gold. We only have one player here and that was Dre Greenlaw who had a solid game, and a solid game is is worthy of a 14-karat gold rating. He played 60 snaps, had six tackles, uh, two assists, a PFF grade of 75.7, and he was targeted four times in the passing game and gave up two receptions for 18 yards. So Dre Greenlaw, another solid game, especially when you have your captain, Fred Warner, go out uh, in that game. You know, somebody was going to need to step up, and Dre Greenlaw did his part. And so here we have him 14 karat gold. Yeah. It's nice to see him, uh, playing, uh, kind of better. Uh, I think that he took a little bit of a dip, um, you know, midway through the year. I don't know if that was because there was more responsibility on him. He no longer had that safety net of knowing that Quan Alexander was in that linebacking core and Dre could kind of see himself as a number three linebacker, but he is uh, firmly cemented as the number two linebacker uh, in the 49ers system. And in an instance where all pro Fred went out with a stinger, um, Dre Greenlaw became the guy. And it was, it was nice to see him step up. He did a, he did a damn good job. Um, You didn't see him miss very many tackles. And the fact that he only gave up 18 yards um, in, in receptions against him, uh, against a team that does not push the ball down the field very far. Uh, the Washington football team is very much, um, you know, kind of like the 49ers in the sense that they 
they don't really have a quarterback that can that can stretch a defense deep. And he was tested, and he rose to that challenge. Uh, very good game by Dre Greenlaw. Super solid. All right, and before we get to our players who struck out, we are going to need we're going to need to take a shot of El Jefe Tequila. So let's go ahead and hear from our sponsor, and then we'll move on. Uh, what's wrong, good buddy? Man, another 49ers player is on IR. This is getting ridiculous. Yeah, it is unbelievable. But you want to know what helps me through this 2020 season? Mm, let me guess. El Jefe Tequila? You know that's right. This block is hot. Mm, all right, so what's the play call? Are we sipping or are we taking shots? Neither. It's time for an audible. You ever had a nitro draft margarita? No, but that sounds delicious. Oh, they are. They taste like Kyle Shanahan's play calling. Oh, you mean a perfectly balanced attack of flavor and velvety smoothness? Absolutely. You better be careful or you'll run up the score. They're the best in the game. To learn more about El Jefe Tequila or to purchase your very own bottle of luxury craft tequila, please visit eljefetequila.com. That's E-L-J-E-F-E-T-E-Q-U-I-L-A.com. It's mad luxurious. All right, let's move on to who struck out. And first and foremost, we do have to call out Big Pick Nick, Small Nick Energy, uh, crushing student loan debt Nick Mullins, who was 25 of 45 for 260 yards, one touchdown, and one interception, 5.8 yards per attempt. He was sacked four times. All four of those you could really not blame the offensive line for. The stat line doesn't sound terrible, but when you watch that game, you realize that he was the reason why the 49ers lost. And so when you give up more points on offense from turnovers than you score on offense, that means that you haven't played very well. And Nick Mullins was the ringleader of an offense that gave away 14 points. And so Nick Mullins, I I mean... We, we don't have a who struck out the hardest, right? But uh, that's like a golden sombrero game for him. That's like four strikeouts in a baseball game. Um, you know, he single-handedly lost this game for the 49ers and is definitely worthy of our top spot in who struck out. Yeah. I mean, he struck out looking. Um, All and, four times. Okay. So I, 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 got, I got a new, new nickname for him. Ready? All right. Let's do it. Here it is. Nick, Nick, you make me sick, Mullins. That is—is <laughs> is it? Do you have to say Nick twice? Is it Nick, Nick, you make me sick? Nick, Nick, yeah, oh, I'm so mad at you, Nick. You make me absolutely. You can say it one, two, three, right. however many times right. you want. But Nick, you make me sick, Mullins. You are trash. You are garbage. You are not worthy of being a starter in this league. Now, Kyle Shanahan has come out and he has said that Nick Mullins and backup quarterbacks are not meant to start long stretches of the season. They are meant to start one to three games. They're supposed to be that bridge, that player that gets you from point A to point B without the dam bursting. But at this point, we have seen the dam burst for Nick Mullins. He he isn't good. Um, I don't want to hear any any stats thrown at me in the sense that he throws for a lot of yards. He is, he was in the top three in NFL history at one point in terms of like his top 10 or his first 10 starts. Uh, It went Patrick Mahomes, it went Andrew Luck, and it went Nick Mullins in regards to the amount of yards thrown. Uh, I, I, I remember earlier in this year when, when we went through the backup quarterbacks in the NFL and who would you rather have? And we kind of, we bit hard on this Nick Mullins yeah, energy, this, and, and we are sorry. And, and I want to apologize if I could personally to each and every one of you listening, uh, please accept my most sincere and heartfelt apologies. Um, we were duped, um, by this ridiculous piece of trash, uh, at quarterback. <laughs> it is, it, I am not speaking poorly in regards to who Nick Mullins is Nick Mullins is as a person, but as a professional quarterback, he has he has used up his time and his chips. He needs to be uh kicked out of the casino at this point. 
I would I would rather lose with CJ Beathard, which is saying a lot, or I would rather lose trying out someone like Josh Johnson uh, at quarterback. I think the 49ers have nothing to lose at this point. Um, you could see some different talent back there at the quarterback position, but Nick Mullins, it's not the fact that he can't complete a pass. It's the fact that he has costly turnovers at the worst times. He's not mobile and he makes his offensive line look worse. All of those things just lead to a disaster. Nick, I'm sorry, but you need to go, my man. All right. I'm going to bring it back to our childhood with this new nickname. You ready? Ready. Let's do it. Nick, 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 you make me sick. Oh, that's pretty good. I, Thank you. Nickelodeon. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. It. Nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, so um, let's go ahead and leave Nick, Nick, you make me sick in the dust and talk a little bit about the 49ers <laughs> ground game, which also struck out on Sunday. The vaunted 49ers rushing attack had 108 yards on 27 attempts, which sounds okay. But there also was that costly fumble from Jeff Wilson that was returned for a touchdown. And so that was an average of four yards per attempt. Raheem Mostert had 65 yards for a 4.6 yard per attempt average. Jeff Wilson Jr. had 31 yards on uh, for a 2.8 yard per attempt average. Kyle Juszczyk had three yards on one attempt. Debo had nine yards on one attempt and then pulled his hamstring and is out for the year. And that was it. And so I think the question that I have is what happened to Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon? They both suited up for this game. And the only time I saw Tevin Coleman was as a gunner on special teams. And I'm not sure what happened to Jarek McKinnon. So the four-headed monster that that the 49ers were rolling out at the beginning of the year has really kind of just become a very pedestrian, two-headed, I don't know, average running game. I don't know. I don't I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it kind of feels like have you seen that that meme of the three-headed dragon? And yes, the two are (laughs) mean and bad. And then the third one looks like he is missing like a a chromosome or something like that. Yes. Um, It's just, it feels like the 49ers ground attack is kind of shifted in that way. And, and honestly, the running backs aren't to blame for this. I think the fact that you have, and I hate to go back to it, but the fact that you have Nick Mullins, uh, at quarterback, you don't have a player who can push the ball down the field. You don't have anybody that's going to stretch or threaten the defense. The everyone can start to creep up, and everyone doesn't doesn't think about a play going over their heads. And and let's be honest, like over the last few games, what the 49ers have had one deep attempt, and it was successful to Brandon Ayuk down the left sideline. They need to continue to do that. I don't care if it's incomplete, but you have to you have to have that as an option. The defense has to respect it. So when you can load the box and you can you can stop Raheem, you know, and and I respect the fact that Kyle Shanahan is not trying to put so much on Raheem Mostert to where um, he he re-injures himself because Raheem is doing everything he possibly can. He you know, he's hitting the hole hard, he's running with authority, and he's laying the wood when, you know, he hits the defender. The defender doesn't really hit him. It's really impressive. But I wish Raheem would kind of understand his role where he is not, he doesn't need to be that power back. He needs to be the, you know, the the extremely fast, the game breaker that he is. Averaging 4.6 yards a carry, it's not too bad. Jeff Wilson Jr., on the other hand, you know, he, he isn't the game breaker that Raheem is and averaging 2.8 yards a carry. If that's going to be your, your yards per attempt, then you need to hang on to the football the and you can't turn it yeah. over. Yeah. I mean, when he hits guys, it, you know, it's a punish, it's a punishing finish to a run. That's fine. That, that has a place in Kyle Shanahan's offense, but you can't fumble the ball period. You can't give it up. So from this point forward, I don't know if we see Tevin Coleman again. He is, it seems like he's really fallen off a cliff. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jarek McKinnon is just too tired. He had so much work in the in the middle part of this year that I don't think his legs were ready for it. 
And he, I mean, he might be, he might need a couple more weeks off. And by that time, the season's going to be done. So who knows what happens with this 49ers ground game. They need, it, it starts with a balanced attack and they don't have that. Yeah. Yuck. All right. And last but certainly not least, because we've talked about him a lot. Once again, Eric Armstead, where are you at, Holmes? Where is he? Where's he at? I just what is feel he doing? like he's not. I don't. I feel like he's. I mean, look, I I appreciate the fact that he's up for Walter Payton Man of the Year award. Like, I love that he's doing great things in the community. Awesome, awesome. But did the Forty ers make a mistake in the in the sense that? They thought that he was going to be able to have similar production, even though the fact that DeForest Buckner was not there. And it looks like DeForest Buckner was not even in the stats realm of things. It looks like he was such a significant factor on the defensive line, even more so than what Javon Kinlaw can do this year. He ate up two blockers almost every time, and he was able to produce stats. He was able to get key stops, tackles for loss, and sacks. Eric Armstead has kind of had to fill that role, that void. I don't know if it's the fact that we're we're missing a leader and a captain on the defensive line, and so they're just kind of playing, or if Eric Armstead just had a flash in the pan year, and this is the Eric Armstead that we're going to get for the remainder of his career. I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Well, I think I think Eric Armstead had a career year last year for two reasons. One, it was a contract year. You can't, you know, you have to take that into consideration. But secondly, the role that he played is different than the role that he's been having to play this season with all of the injuries. So last year, Armstead got, I believe, all of his sacks, which were double digits. He got all of them from the D tackle position. So he would, he would start you know on first and second down he plays that big end role against the running uh against the running game and then on third down or any any obvious passing down he would shift down next to DeForest Buckner and then D Ford would come in and Buckner would would get those double teams and and Armstead would be working one on one on a guard or a tackle and he was winning a lot and so He's not doing that this year. He doesn't have anyone next to him taking up double teams. In fact, I think I, you know, if you watch, you can see him being the one getting double teamed. And also he's spending more time at defensive end than he did last year. And he's not, he's not a classic defensive end. I mean, he's a big end against the run and and that works for him. So, you know, I think it, I think it's a combo of both things. It was a contract year and his role was different. And so, you know, I've read that they want him to, to get back to that role that he had last year because they think they think that's the most effective role for him. And, you know, who are we to argue? He had, you know, double digit sacks, but that means that they're going to have to find another edge rusher similar to D Ford in that role, a speed rusher. And, and then maybe we can see him, you know, on, on obvious passing downs, shifting down to D tackle and, and hopefully getting more sacks. So that, I mean, Okay, so looking at the draft, and that kind of brings us into our last little topic of where where do the 49ers go from here? And so in your mind, uh, I mean, what what are the what are the 49ers needs um moving forward? I know that that you some people are going to talk about tanking and some people are going to talk about doing everything we can to move up in in the draft board because we we don't stand a chance um, at making the playoffs, or, or if we do, it's a very small chance at that, um, going eight and eight, finishing out the year with three wins would be extremely tough for one. And then the 49ers would need a ton of help to get into the playoffs if that's the case. So some are going to say tank, some are going to say play, you know, and we'll fall where we fall. But in your mind, what are some of the needs that the 49ers need to address in the off season, whether it be through free agency or through the draft? Well, I mean, the big thing is they've got a just an absolute ton of dudes that are going to be free agents, whether they're unrestricted free agents or restricted free agents. And so, you know, really, it's 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 going to have to be prioritizing who they're going to bring back. There's talk about extending Fred Warner, but I'm wondering if they're going to hold off on that just because of the sheer number of dudes that they're going to have to sign to fill out a roster. And so 
I think the the number one priority, regardless of of anything else, regardless of whether they get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo or not, regardless of if the cap goes up or down or stays the same or whatever the case may be, they have to figure out how to sign or how to re-sign Trent Williams in the offseason. He needs to be the starting left tackle for the 49ers for the next three to five years, and they have to figure out a way to make that happen. Outside of that, I think the other free agents that I that I am looking for them to resign are Jason Verrett as the one of the starting corners, and then I think it's really important that they sign Kyle Juszczyk again. I think Juszczyk is an integral part to of this offense. I think Shanahan uses him in so many unique and creative ways, and then he's also just a beast in the uh, run game, and so not as a runner but as a blocker. And so I think those are the priorities. And then to me, the priority is to upgrade the quarterback position, both at starter and backup. I don't think that either Mullins or Bethard are, are, well, I think Mullins is a good backup, but like Kyle Shanahan said, you know, your backup is a backup for a reason. And if they're starting more than three games, you're getting, you're getting them exposed. And so I think Mullins is a great backup. If you have a quarterback that you can trust to stay healthy for a full season. If you're going to run it back with Jimmy Garoppolo, you have to upgrade the backup quarterback position because more than likely he's going to miss time. Yeah. So, all right. So I'm going to ask you a question and if, as our listeners, I want you, obviously I want you to shout out the answer. Um, if you think you know it. So, uh, how many free agents are the 49ers going to have in 2021? What do you think that answer is, Brian? Uh, I believe I've seen uh, the number as 40. Correct. So if you got that right, listener, well done. And I know some of you did. So name the top five in terms of pay uh, free agents in 2021. What do you mean in terms of pay? So who who's making the most in 2020 that is going to require them? Like, So what is their average salary in 2020? Top five for the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not a free agent. Oh, who is He's going still to be under contract? Agent. Okay. Yeah. Um, Richard Sherman. He's not number one. He's number two. Okay. Kyle Juszczyk. Number five. Trent Williams. That's number one. So I got two left. You got two left. Both are on the defense. Tart. Correct. That's number four. And a defensive lineman. He was picked Ronald. extremely high and now he's hurt. Oh, D Ford? Nope. Solomon Thomas. Oh, Solomon Thomas. <laughs> Forgot he was on so, the team. <laughs> so I, I mean, that's sad. I'm so sorry. Um all right. So here, I mean, look, this is the time, this is the type of stuff that now, if, if you want to play armchair GM, if you want to think about what the 49ers should do, you have to take a look at what are the players making in 2020? You have to evaluate their talent. Is it worth bringing them back at around that price? Do you think they're going to draw more money next year based on their play? Or are they going to be uh, less valuable based upon how they performed or if they got hurt and should they be re-signed in 2021? So Trent Williams making 13.6 million in 2020, he's going to make that much per year, if not maybe a little more. No, no, he's going to make more. I think he's going to be 18 to 20. And I think the 49ers have to sign him. I agree. There's there's no no doubt that he is uh if not the number 1 or number 2 left tackle in the league or the number 1 or number 2 tackle overall. He has he has exceeded expectations this year, and that's saying something. So number two is Richard Sherman at nine million in twenty twenty. I, I think you got to let him walk. I, I agree. Um, I think that man, that's hard. Oh, you know, we both are huge Uncle Sherman fans, but the decline in his play is pretty evident, and. I, you know, well, I, I definitely think, yeah, well, yeah. And he's, and he has a, he's had a bunch of lower leg injuries. Like that's going to sap your athleticism, your speed, your quickness, all of it. And so I agree. I think 
that he needs to go someplace that is going to run a zone heavy scheme. And, and maybe he follows Robert Sala wherever he goes and signs for a year or two and then retires or whatever. But I think you need to let Richard Sherman walk. Um, and so, so, so that's and one Solomon, and then that's two. And then Solomon Thomas. Well, I think, so, I think they'll do what they 7 do. Million. Yeah. So, seven million. Yeah. 7000000 I think they're going to do, well, that's because that was his fifth year option. He was the number three pick in the NFL draft. That's why he was making that much money. I honestly, I think they probably will re-sign him, but at a very, 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 very smaller or much, much smaller number. Um, and I think it'll do the same thing that they tried to do with Ronald Blair, when Ronald Blair tore his ACL last year, they signed him to a modest contract. And then unfortunately he wasn't able to make it back this season. So I think right. they'll do the Ronald same thing Blair, with Thomas. 2.3 million this year. Yeah. Uh, I, I could I see, I could Thomas see Solomon Thomas. I could see him being more in the, uh, you know, Ziggy Ansa role or potentially the Kerry Hyder role where it was right around 1.5 million this year. Yeah. Um, number four, Jaquaski Tart. Um, six point five million. He he's gonna walk. You gotta let him walk. He can't stay healthy, and you've got Tarvarius Moore who hasn't been playing very well. So maybe that's not the exact replacement. Maybe you look to replace him in the draft or whatever. But I I I do think they let him walk. I agree. Um, you know, if he's willing to take a pay cut, then maybe you talk. But uh, I don't think he is. So. You know, we're going to have to find ourselves a new safety. And then number five, Kyle Juszczyk at $5.25 million at a fullback yeah, position. Yeah, I, I think it's important to resign him. My hope is that it doesn't take that kind of contract to resign him because, you know, he is older now than he was when the 49ers initially signed him. But, He's 30. But I do think that, you know, I, I mean, what, like a three-year, you know, $12 million deal, three year. I don't know, but it, it also depends on if there's competition in the market, which there may be, and there might not be, you know, there are, there are teams that are running the Shanahan style offense out there that may covet, you know, a guy like Kyle use So it really just depends on, on what the market looks like for him. Yeah. So um, we're not going to go down all 40, um, but just some players that obviously are going to be making more next year. Jason Verrett is only making a million dollars this year. Uh, he's going to cost more if you want to re-sign him. Jordan Reed, if you want to bring him back for another year, he's only making a million dollars this year. And then Kerry Hyder, who's having a fantastic year, he's only making $1.5 million this year. Obviously, he's going to be making more than that in he 2021. He earned himself some money this year, for sure. Right. So who knows if the 49ers are going to re-sign uh, any of those guys that we just talked about. And uh, K1 Williams is only making $2.9 million, being one of the best uh, slot corners in the league. And I think in his absence, uh, the 49ers have really been lacking something there. So I would have to say one of the ways that, that you're able to kind of sign some of these guys, knowing that the, that the cap is is unknown at this point, but we're pretty sure it's going to be going down um, next year, is I think Jimmy Garoppolo's contract needs to be uh, cut from the books, and that would be $27 million. That can go elsewhere. 25 um, you saw him too. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. $25 million that you could put elsewhere, which would go a long way in re-signing a lot of these guys, and then you draft a, a quarterback. And if you can pick somebody up in in free agency like a Sam Darnold, or, you know, you're able to, to pick up Matt Stafford's contract, which might actually be a little bit more favorable than, than what, I think you know, first thought. I think it's, I, I think, think it's the, 15. Uh, well, I think it's 20. I think the team that, that trades for him would end up owing him 20 because of easily attainable, like roster bonuses and, and performance bonuses. That's true. But it's still less than Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. So I think that's the direction that that the 49ers need to head. Um, and it's not that we are we want to slander Jimmy Garoppolo. We're not hating on Jimmy G. You know, honestly, Brian and I were talking about before the podcast, kind of taking a look at the the 49ers quarterback history since Steve Young, and you go back to Jeff Garcia, and then you go through just the slew of of inferior of talent. <laughs> I mean, even calling, I feel like Nick Mullins, like, yes, Nick Mullins is five and 10 as a starter. 
uh, for the 49ers. And, you know, when you go back and Niners Wire, um, you know, put out this article and they included all of the records and they, it was interesting to see that, that there were more quarterbacks for the 49ers since Jeff Garcia that had a sub 200 winning percentage than there were quarterbacks that had a over 500 winning percentage. That is quality quarterback play right there. I mean, you just think back to, to the, to the Ken Dorsey's, to the, to the Tim Rattays, to the, stop making me think back to times like that. I'm sorry. You know, and and I love this guy (laughs) and you know, I'm friends with him on Twitter. I used to play against him. JTO Sullivan. Like those are the types of, of quarterbacks that, that were not meant to be starters in the NFL. They were meant to be backup journeymen. Uh, none of them worked out, but, but since Steve Young, there have only been three quarterbacks that have an over 500 winning percentage for the 49ers. Brian, I, I know you know him because we talked about it. So go ahead and name those three guys because they're not going to be the guys that you think. It's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. Absolutely. With, with by far and away the, the highest winning percentage <laughs> with a high, the highest winning percentage by far of anyone since Steve Young. And you know, it's funny. We, uh, we talked about it not that long ago and I'm already blanking on the other two. I believe Alex is going to win. Come back. Yep. Comeback player of the year, yeah. Alex Smith. And then Sean, not Hill. by much though. Yes. Sean yeah. Hill. Sean Hill was 10 and six as a starter for the 49ers. How? I have no idea, but Alex Smith, uh, was only like one or two games over 500, 500 in his career. Yeah. Yeah. Colin Kaepernick was not, which is shocking. Jeff Garcia was not under, one he was under, under 500. 500. It just, it, it, it just, it's mind boggling when you think back and a lot of 49er fans, you know, that goes back to, to what? 2002. 2001 i forget when yeah when did he take over um that's a good question um he Mm. uh, he debuted in 1999 with the san francisco 49ers and then made three bro bowl appearances 2000 2001 and 2002 and took the team to the playoffs in 2001 and 2002 so i mean think about that that's two decades worth of it's a long time. mediocre to poor quarterback play the 49ers need they need to find their guy and we're going to debate and i know that that's going to be a hot topic for weeks to come all the way up until the draft to see what the 49ers do but we are due we are due good quarterback play with a franchise that that has joe montana and has steve young and john brody <laughs> and why tittle. tittle that's right and elvis gerback no I'm and just steve bono um <laughs> and steve deberg with with that yeah with that that lineage of quarterback to have such poor play for the last two decades we're due we are really due if 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 kyle shanahan can find his guy um all the other pieces will fall into place and and i truly be- i don't believe jimmy garoppolo is the guy mainly because he can't stay healthy and and that is his biggest knock if you're going to be a guy that doesn't have a superior arm you're going to be a guy that isn't you know the most intelligent quarterback on the field um you have to have some quality like durability which which makes you um in a, you know indispensable and worth but 27 fact, million dollars yeah but the fact is is Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay on the field enough to to earn that right and he's he's not accurate enough. He doesn't have a big enough arm. Um, he do, it just seems like he he always always loses the the linebacker in coverage and throws it right to him. That's um, a blind spot, man. It just is. So yeah, we're not like it, it's not a huge hate on Jimmy Garoppolo. I just feel that you know he is he's been a winning quarterback for the 49ers but he's just not durable enough to to deserve that franchise tag where you're making enough money that it kind of hamstrings the rest of the team's contracts. And that I think is the key is, and I keep saying this, I like Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's a, a good quarterback, 
I think he, in the right situation, can elevate his game to be a great quarterback, maybe not consistently, but at least at times, like we saw in New Orleans and you know we saw in uh, against Arizona the second game last year where he brought them back. But ultimately, you cannot pay $27 million to a quarterback and not know if he's going to make it through an entire season because we now see what happens when you have to start your backup quarterback like Kyle said, more than one to three times in a season, they get exposed and you lose games. And so if they are going to run it back with Jimmy Garoppolo, they better have somebody in that backup quarterback role that, you know, is better than Nick Mullins at this point, because it's almost guaranteed that Jimmy's going to miss some time. And I think ultimately that's the deciding factor on whether or not they continue with Jimmy Garoppolo as quarterback. And I think the, offseason will show us that they are going to move on from him well said well said man so so that'll just about do it uh for for our podcast i you know i appreciate everyone who's listening i appreciate you guys sticking with us um you know kind of like like i said earlier uh in the podcast it is it is a challenge for us um you know we are we are husbands and fathers first uh we are employed by the school system um and we we struggle to find that time to be able to put out this quality content for you guys but again we just want to say thank you uh for sticking with us and i hear you uh all of you listeners who are who are adding me uh and potentially brian i don't know if you're getting it but i hear you we want to be here for you we we also put out um a podcast on the 49ers empire podcast so be sure to check that out as well uh that was a lot of fun uh you can find me on twitter at tim sprinkles if you want to uh hit me up directly you can always slide up in those dms it's always awkward i feel really weird saying that and uh you can also uh you know follow us on our on our podcast twitter handle um at denim dungeon at Denim Dungeon, why don't you let the people know where they can find you? And then you can always find me on Twitter at brenick 77 That's B-R-E-N-I-C-K 77. Hey, send us some questions. We love doing listener mailbags. Uh, add us uh, at our personal Twitter. Add us at our podcast Twitter. Slide in those DMs, like Tim said. Uh, we want to interact with you guys. And hey, if any of you out there who are listening want to be benefactors and uh, just, you know, support us, uh, monetarily so that we don't have to work, then, Hey, we can put content out day after day after day. So we could put fire content out there that's right. every day. That's if this right. was our full-time job, I promise you, we could do way better than we're doing now. And I still think we're doing pretty well. I agree. I agree. But yeah, like you said, I appreciate you guys listening. We, uh, hope to put out, uh, a, another episode later this week to preview the game against the Cowboys, if we can make that happen. But uh, thanks again for listening and make sure that you subscribe, rate and review. It would be very beneficial to us and we would love you forever and always. But until <laughs> then, bang, bang. Niner gang. We're live, bro.